Listen like the wolf, watch like the raven, and you will find wisdom. Rune motto, answers. So that is my talisman rune card. That's the card that I'm carrying for wisdom and for connecting with my higher power. And for me, that is connecting with the energy of my ancestors who guide and protect me. Today is June 27th, 2022. It is bright and early in the morning. The sun has been starting to come up like I'd say around 5 a.m. here and I love that. I can get my day started early. It's bright. It's warm out and this is just my favorite time of year. But unfortunately, I'm still dealing with some crazy stressful stuff. So I decided to pull a talisman rune card. I was hoping for some protection, guidance, wisdom, and and I pulled Ansu's, and it says you can carry this card to open your mind, to connect with a higher power, broaden your horizons, and invoke wisdom. And those are things that I definitely need right now. So that is my talisman rune card. That's the card that I'm carrying for wisdom and for connecting with my higher power. And for me, that is connecting with the energy of my ancestors who guide and protect me. The rune card that I pulled for today is Thurisaz, and its translation is Thorn. The earthly meaning is protection, barriers, pride, self-deception. The spiritual meaning is destruction and rebirth, inner truth, false ego. The rune motto for Thurisaz is, a warning heeded is a shield on your arm. Unheeded, it is a sword in your enemy's hand. That sounds very ominous, and I just hope that I am aware of the warning if there is a warning given to me, and I hope that I heed it accordingly because I definitely don't want to do anything to strengthen my enemies, and I do feel that I have enemies right now. And that is the reason that I've been trying to connect with my sources of protection and guidance because I really need that right now. The information I'm sharing is from a set that I bought called Runes, Tools to Connect to the Magic of the Universe, A Guide to Reading and Understanding Runes by Lona Eversden. I bought this because I already had two sets of runes that are actual like stone runes and I wanted something that would help me better understand. Like I obviously want to memorize the symbols and what they represent, but I also want to understand the deeper meaning behind each one and just learn more about the culture that created the runes and the reason for their creation. Here's a little bit of rune lore. Runes are an ancient writing system, a bygone alphabet, but they are so much more. The Germanic and Nordic people of Northern Europe and Scandinavia, the Vikings, the Goths, the Saxons, and Angles used these mysterious symbols for all kinds of ritual purposes. Runes have always been seen as a sacred source of mystic power. At its root, the very word rune means a secret or something whispered. So basically, the runes were an alphabet that was used by the ancient Germanic people, but not only did they use it as a system of writing, they also used it for magical purposes as well. For cultures where literacy was not pervasive, you know, where only a few people actually knew how to read, the ability to read seemed mystical to most people. The beliefs 
behind the runes, the association of writing with magic may seem fanciful to the modern mind, but it would have made perfect sense to the people who lived by the runes. Writing and, with it, the ability to read provided a doorway to the treasure house of knowledge. It allowed the literate rune masters to access a deep well of understanding and gain insights that were closed to the unlettered masses. So, it is not surprising that the runic symbols served as a form of sorcery, a set of keys to hidden wisdom. In modern times, they continue to be a tool for divination, a means for exploring the hidden corners of a person's psyche or the unknown pathways of fate. So these days, people use runes similarly to how we use tarot cards, but like I said, runes are usually inscribed on stone or wood. This set here is actually a set of cards that represent each rune, and each card has a short description of what the rune is and what it means, and then you can refer to the book for deeper insights on the history and the meaning of that particular rune. The runes were part and parcel of the broader German Mano-Nordic belief system. The people of the European North revered a colorful cast of gods and goddesses about whom they told wonderful stories. These tales dealt with the origin and the structure of the universe, the deeds and the tribulations of heroes, with the dark glamour of war and battle, with love, jealousy, and betrayal. Among the deities in the pantheon were Odin, god of wind, war and wisdom, his wife Frigg, goddess of motherhood, and their sons Thor, god of thunder, and Baldur, the god of light, was killed by the trickster god Loki. Then there is the sea god Njord, his son Frey, lord of summer, and Frey's twin sister Freya, goddess of love. But the Germanic supernatural world was populated with many more otherworldly beings. The rune card that I pulled for today is Thurisaz, and like I said, the translation is Thorn, but this card Thorisaz was actually named for the god Thor. The mighty Thor was son of Odin, and he was also the Norse god of thunder and lightning. Thor brandishes a hammer, which some say inspired the rune Thorisaz, and Thor is actually the deity that is associated with the rune Thorisaz, like I said. So back to the gods and goddesses of the European North. So like I was saying, the Germanic supernatural world was populated with many more otherworldly beings. These are aside from the gods and goddesses that I've mentioned like Thor and Odin and Frey and Freya. So other than the gods and goddesses, there were the Valkyries. The Valkyries were the swan maidens that figure prominently in the operas of Richard Wagner. They were concerned with fate. Their function was to decide which warriors were to die in battle and then to whisk their spirits off to Valhalla, the feasting hall of the slain. There were the Norns. They were witchy sisters who seemed to be the antecedents of the prophesying hags in Shakespeare's Macbeth, and also the fairy godmothers who mold the destiny of Sleeping Beauty in the fairy tale. The stories of the Norse and Germanic people speak of warlike giants and of elves who are in essence nature sprites, like the naiads and dryads of Greek myth. Dwarves played a part in Germanic mythology. They tend to be squat, 
ugly, and concerned with mining and metalwork, exactly as depicted in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, in fact. Many of the Germanic gods and lesser creatures fit types and patterns that we identify in other mythologies from Greek to Persia to South America. They all draw into the same archetypes, which is why they still mean something to us today, even though we recognize them as characters in stories rather than real supernatural beings. I personally recognize these figures as slightly more than just characters in stories. I feel that people's strong belief in these characters over time, like whether they were the gods or goddesses or the other otherworldly beings, I think the belief, the storytelling has actually given life, it's given an energy to these beings and it's kind of made them real in a sense, the reason they are more than simply characters in a story is because of the way people have animated them and in some ways like brought them to life, so to speak. So I think even now where we don't have a bunch of people who believe in them as actual real beings, I believe that some of that energy still persists. And that's where I think we get the mystical magic of the runes in the way that we use them today for divination. I think that whole system, that whole belief system still has some energy. It still has the power to enlighten and guide people. The Northern European people who believed in the power of the runes also believed in nine spiritual realms. The people of the runes believed in a place called Asgard where the gods lived. In addition to Asgard, there were eight other worlds and all nine of these worlds were supported by an infinite ash tree called Yggdrasil. So among these worlds were Jotunheim, which was the land of the giants. Then there was the earthly realm, Midgard, and Niflheim, which was an icy underworld. The people of the runes also believed that there was an apocalypse coming, which they called Ragnarok. In English, it's often referred to as the Twilight of the Gods, but Twilight would more correctly translate as Doom. So at the time of Ragnarok, all the gods would be destroyed and a new green world would emerge from the wreckage. The universe, to these people, was cyclical. It had a beginning and an end, and the end would give rise to a new beginning. It's kind of interesting that some modern 21st century cosmologists think that the same may be true of our physical universe that there have been many beginnings and ends. There are some Nordic myths that actually continue to live with us today in multiple ways. Some examples are the days of the week, which many of us know have the disguised form of names for some of the old Germanic gods, like Wednesday is Woden's Day, Thursday is Thor's Day, and Friday is Frigg's Day. There are other traces of these beliefs in our modern day culture, like the Christian festival of Easter takes its name from the Norse celebration of the end of winter, and the word hell is nothing other than the name of the Germanic god of the underworld, hell spelled H-E-L. The fir tree and the mistletoe that are an integral part of modern Christmas celebrations were also sacred to the pagan people of the north. The runes were not mere fossils. 
Runic letters are so rich in meaning, they're actually a living part of an ancient heritage. There are some interesting theories about the origins of the runes. Norse legends say that the god Odin earned the runes through a hard ordeal. The Havamal, the 9th century epic poem from Iceland, contains an apparently first-person account of how this came about. For nine days and nights, Odin hung on a tree, a sacrifice to myself, he said. All the time he was suffering from a spear wound, which was possibly self-inflicted. At the end of the ninth day, he said, quote, I gazed in the depths and shouting out loud, I grasped the runes and fell down from the tree, end quote. This strange tale of denial and resurrection seems to contain echoes of the Christian story of the crucifixion, and it also brings to mind the tarot card depicting the hanged man. Whatever the connections between these different traditions, there is certainly some deep deep symbolism at work. It's like an archetypal tale about how universal truth or personal wisdom can be attained only through self-imposed pain, trial, and hardship. So that's the Norse legend of the origin of the runes, but historians of language and writing tell a different, but barely less obscure story of the origins of the runic symbols. There are various theories among scholars. One hypothesis is that the ancestors of runes can be seen in rock markings made by Neolithic and Bronze Age people, such as those discovered at various locations throughout Northern Europe. Some of these symbols closely resemble runic letters. This could be just a coincidence because we really have no idea what the Bronze Age symbols represent. Some students of rune lore attach this hypothesis because it seems to suggest that runes, a distinctive mark of Nordic identity, are a purely Nordic invention. But it is more likely that Germanic people from the North encountered already existing alphabets and adapted the letters to the sounds of their languages and circumstances of their lives. One possible precursor of the runes is the ancient Greek script. Some runic letters are identical to their Greek counterparts. Burkana, for example, looks exactly like the Greek letter beta, so it could be that one of the Germanic people came in contact with Greek culture and borrowed their alphabet or elements of it. The Goths were an East Germanic people whose territory at times stretched as far as the Greek-speaking Byzantine Empire, the Goths could have easily been the point of contact between the two cultures. And here's another theory. The runes could be an adaptation of an Etruscan script that was in use in the Italian peninsula more than 2,000 years ago before the rise of Rome. There are a few runes that are identical to characters in the Etruscan script. Gibo, for example, looks exactly like the Etruscan character for X, and the Etruscan character for KH is identical to Alges. We know that the Germanic tribes were in contact with the people south of the Alps. In 1811, near Nagova in Slovenia, archaeologists discovered a cache of bronze helmets bearing Germanic names in Etruscan letters. The writing dates from the 2nd century CE and mentions unmistakably North European individuals such as Haragas, the priest, and Dubnos, the pig slayer. So should we think of the runes as an alphabet or as a set of pictograms, you know, pictures that 
closely resemble the thing that they represent. Maybe a little bit of both. What is certain is that runes with their stark straight lines are designed to be cut or carved into a material such as stone or metal or wood. The word write in English is derived from a root which means scratch a hard surface. It is also known that the symbols themselves did begin as pictograms, which are stylized pictures of things in the real world, such as animals, plants, and natural phenomena. The names of the letters reflect this. Uruz means aurochs, a wild bull, and the letter looks like the horns of a bull. Isa means ice and seems to be a picture of an icicle, but the intention of some of the signs are obscure, and their names are a matter of scholarly conjecture, basically educated guesses. Over the centuries, several versions of the runic alphabet evolved. The most widely used runic alphabet is known as the Elder Futhark. Now, Futhark is a term that was arrived at by combining the first six letters, F through K, into a single word. The Th sound, the TH sound, is a single letter in runic writing. The Elder Futhark consists of 24 letters and it was in use until the 7th century or so. There is a later version known as the Younger Futhark or Danish Futhark, which consists of only 16 letters. Anglo-Saxon and Viking invaders took knowledge of runes to the British Isles. The Futhark is also referred to as the Rune Row, and on the British Isles, the Rune Row grew larger to accommodate the sounds of the nascent English language. So basically, the British adapted the runic alphabet to suit their language. This island version of the runic alphabet is known as the Futhork because in England, the names and values of the letters had changed somewhat. The Futhork consisted of 33 letters. But back to the elder Futhark. For purposes of divination, it is the 24 runes of the Elder Futhark that count. They are divided into three groups of eight. Each of these sets, called an etir, is associated with a deity, Freya, the lusty Norse equivalent of Venus, Heimdall, the watchman of the Norse gods whose senses were so acute he could hear grass grow, and Tyre, who is associated with justice, the making of oaths, and the formalities of war. Freya's et, the singular of etir, consists of Fehu and Wunjo, they all convey a message about nurturing. That's a reflection of Freya's mothering role. Heimdall's et, from Hagalaz to Sowalu, speaks of introspection, of a monk-like meditativeness. Tyre's et, from Tewaz, which is Tyre's alternative name, to Dagaz, denotes warrior virtues and kingship, progress toward victory, or some other successful outcome. In the end, the runes are an intuitive art similar to tarot or other forms of divination. So a rune reading is all about perceiving and understanding the signs, the symbolism behind the letters, and the combinations of letters. The talisman rune card that I chose is Ansu's Wisdom. The Ansu's rune is perhaps the most multi-layered of them all. The word means God, and the symbol is perhaps a representation of the staff of Odin. It can also mean mouth in the sense of the source of speech. The two senses of Ansus are both encompassed by the idea of divine wisdom. The Anglo-Saxon rune poem says the mouth is the font of all manner of speech, a pillar of wisdom, 
and a constellation to the wise. That pillar might also be a tree trunk, for the Old Norse name for rune, ass, is the root of the word for the sacred ash tree. So ass, A-S-S, is the Old Norse name for rune, and ass, A-S-S, is also the root of the word for the sacred ash tree, ash, A-S-H. Ansu's is a beautiful rune. It suggests that this is a time when you are blessed and protected by a higher force. You are open to receiving wisdom, perhaps from a divine source. The plant that corresponds with this rune, the fly agaric, is a hallucinogenic mushroom used by shamans to access spiritual truth. This is a beneficial time to embark on a new course of study, learning, or apprenticeship, or to express your creative self in new ways. It may also be useful to broaden your horizons and gain a broader perspective through travel. And if you have a decision to make, Ansus indicates you should seek counsel from an older, wiser person. The deity associated with Ansus is Odin. The tree is ash. The animal is the wolf. The number is four. The color, dark blue. The bird, the raven. The plant, like I said, is the fly agaric mushroom. And the sound of Ansus is a or a, like the letter a. The earthly meaning of Ansus is learning, communication, tradition, contemplation, and wise counsel. The spiritual meanings are divine aid, creative spark, and initiation. Ansus is my talisman rune card for the day. My regular rune card for the day is Thor meaning thorn. Thorisaz is a rune of protection. It warns of negative influences ahead, but also reveals how to combat them. The name Thorisaz seems to mean giant in the Norse languages. The Anglo-Saxons called it thorn. The symbol looks like a straightforward representation of a thorn on a stalk, the rose bush, but some authorities interpret it as a hammer, in particular the magic hammer of the towering god Thor, whose name might also be referenced in this rune. In folktales and myths, both thorns and giants can be hindrances on a chosen path. Think of the giant in Jack and the Beanstalk, and the daunting wall of brand that grew up around Sleeping Beauty's castle. Take Thorisaz as a warning of danger ahead. It may intimate that you have overestimated your ability to deal with the obstacles that lie between you and your goal. Your enemy is stronger than you, so this is not a time to start a fight. Negotiate rather than go into battle. You may need to think of a new way around a problem rather than trying to force your way through the thorny path ahead. Be patient and these setbacks can help you learn and ultimately progress. The deity associated with Thurisaz is Thor. The tree is the blackthorn. The animal is the snake. The number is three. The color, bright red. The bird, the albatross. The plant, the thistle. And the sound of Thorisaz is th, like the letters th. The earthly meanings of Thorisaz are protection, barriers, pride, self-deception, and the spiritual meanings are destruction and rebirth, inner truth, false ego. These runes seem to be telling me to think very deeply about my problems and to acknowledge the fact that the people who are fighting against me, who are trying to oppress me, are very powerful people, and I'm going to have to be clever about the way I approach this fight because I'm definitely not going to back down. Thank you very much for listening to Path of a Green Witch podcast.